Let the prophet who has a dream tell the dream, but let the one who has my word speak it faithfully. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I shall be seated. The prophet Jeremiah, they threw him into a pit. Be more specific, they threw him into a well, to a cistern, and they did that because they wanted him to die. But maybe they had a good reason. Maybe they did. It was in the 6th century B.C., and the nation of Judah, it's in the south, had been invaded. They had been invaded by a foreign power, by ancient Babylon, and what amounts to the region of modern-day Iraq give or take. The king of Babylon, his name was Nebuchadnezzar, and he took slaves as the spoils of war. Now, this was not uncommon, but he did something, his tact was a little bit different. He decided that when he took slaves, he would take children, and he would only take the smart kids, the talented ones, so if I were to put this into context for us, if the Babylonian king had invaded the metro Oklahoma City, after he had conquered, he would have gone into each of our middle and high schools, and he would have asked for the list of the honor roll kids, as well as those who are the award winners in every area of study, the talented ones. Kids, wouldn't that give you an excuse to not do well in school? <laughs> And it would be those children that he would take back as slaves to Babylon in exile. It's a curious thing, don't you think? I mean, typically, slave labor ended up being the muscle right, that you would use to build things. Scholars sense that what Nebuchadnezzar thought would, he would do is give him a pool of cheap labor in a more upscale, for more upscale tasks. So think engineers, doctors, city planners, lawyers, all who you don't have to pay very much. It's probably his thinking. But long term, this was also probably not a good idea. Eventually, you're going to have Steve McQueen and the Great Escape on your hands. <laughs> it's going to happen. But this is the context of this really brief reading from the Hebrew Scriptures today. And the reason that the kings of Judah, the ones who had been victimized, wanted to throw Jeremiah into a pit is because his advice to them, his advice to them as to why this awful thing was happening was not that we should fight to rescue our kids and try to defeat the Babylonians. His advice was give up. Don't do anything. Just lay down. Let them win. This was God's purpose, is what Jeremiah was advising. The result of a nation and a people who had collectively forgotten God. And so this was going to be the consequence. Enslaved. In fact, Jeremiah was famous. He, you know, prophets often in the Old Testament would do weird things to try to grab your attention. They called these sign acts. Uh, you know, made them kind of weirdos. And his weird thing is he would walk around all day long with a yoke. You know what I'm talking about? The thing you put on a burst of beading? Uh, a burst of beading. 
a beast of burden <laughs> to get them to do work for you. And so now you have these children who've been taken as slaves into Babylon, beasts of burden. And so he wore this yoke around all the time. He was a man who was not afraid to pick a fight. But the fight that he was picking was peculiar and strange. And so I invite you to take your bulletin again. Look at this very short passage of Jeremiah and you can begin to see it. There's a pattern there that there's basically two sets of advisors, two groups of prophets. And one group of prophets is saying, we've got to fight. Right? We're going to build up alliances with neighboring countries. We're going to pull together our resources. And we're going to go in. We're going to get our kids back. We're going to get back to sovereignty of our own nation. And we're going to win. And then there's Jeremiah by himself saying this completely other thing. Let the prophet who has a dream tell the dream. But let the one, the one who has my word speak my word faithfully. Jeremiah is telling them, don't listen to those prophets who tell you what you want to hear. Listen to the ones who tell you what you need to hear. Which leads us this morning to Jesus. This is not the Jesus that we love, is it? Does he seem angry to you? He does to me. It's opening. I've come to bring fire on the earth, and oh, how I wish it was already kindled. Jesus is using his Jeremiah voice. He's warning his disciples, and if you read up in the context of this exchange with his disciples, there are large crowds gathering to listen to his teaching, probably to receive healing, and they're pushing each other. They're stepping over each other. And so it sets for me in my mind this context, this idea that Jesus in this point is getting frustrated. He's getting angry. And so he says this to his disciples. That to build the kingdom of God on earth will not always be received willingly. It's not always going to bring unity. In fact, there will be aspects of being God's people that will bring division. Now, I'm going to put all my cards on the table with you, and we're going to do a little bit of therapy with Tim Sean. There's no, there's no room to lay down up here. But I am uh, a middle child, a stereotypically middle child. I have an older brother who's about two years older. I have a younger sister who's about three years younger. We're close in age. I'm a child of divorce, and I have some leftover abandonment issues, so be careful with me. But I don't like it when people don't get along. And in that regard, I think that my work as a minister, probably for the most part, it serves me well. My mother, I, this was decades ago, she said to me, you really should think about being a politician and running for office. And I said, oh, mother, I am a politician. <laughs> Some things are worth disruption. But the challenge is trying to cultivate a wisdom that helps us determine when we should speak up, like Jesus is doing here and the prophet Jeremiah did. And then those other times when we should keep our mouths shut. When do we work for unity? And we should. Right? Jesus' final prayer 
a part of his final prayer for his disciples before he was arrested and went to his death and to his ascension was that he prayed to God that they would be one, that they would have unity. So that's an important piece of it. But, but when do we do that and when do we cut them loose and pick a righteous fight? The biblical book of Esther, if, you, if you're familiar with it, it's about a beautiful young woman who is in a position to speak truth to power. And if she will do this, it will save up hundreds of thousands of lives. It's her uncle Mordecai who begs her to take the risk and to say something to the king of Persia, even though it could cost her her life. He says to her, and this is one of those phrases from the Bible that sort of lifts off the page and is stuck in our culture. He says, maybe, for, maybe it was for such a time as this that you were born. Maybe it was for such a time as this that you were born. And so she thinks about it, and they have an exchange, and she finally says, yes, she'll do it. And she says, if I die, I die. If I perish, I perish. But to do that takes a courage that most of us don't have readily available. Jeremiah, they threw him into a deep well. They left him there to die when he spoke this really peculiar and hard truth. Fortunately, his friends came and they drew him out of the pit. Jesus, likewise, for speaking the truth, was put to death and went down into the pit of the earth. And Jesus, too, was lifted from the pit and rose victorious in the end. Move forward in your lives, asking God always and every day for the wisdom to recognize those moments when God is asking you to risk and to speak and live a truth that is hard. And know this, that in spite of the difficulty and the pain of it, that feeling it creates in your stomach, there will always be a community, a faithful cloud of witnesses, whether it be in this life or the next, who's ready to rescue you from the pit. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.